Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 172 of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we're going to continue along with our division previews. Today we're going to tackle the Northwest Division. Before we get underway, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter, at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Brian, I've had the new Spider-Man game in my possession for about 30 hours, and <laughs> it's 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 lit, dude. How it's lit? How many of those hours have you been playing it? I'm guessing, like, what's the over under? 25. No, no, no. Under that, I had to sleep, and besides, I had to share the game with my son, which is uh, frustrating, but yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's so good. It's so good. I have a problem. You know you know me and superheroes. I, I I, I'm 32 years old, and I'm acting like I'm seven. <laughs> but I have to. Everyone out there, go get a PS4 and, and buy the Spider-Man game. It's, it's freaking insane. It no, genuinely really is that great. Yeah. Um, we also have a special guest joining us today. We have TJ McBride. He's a Denver Nuggets beat writer for Mile High Sports. TJ, how's it going? It's good. I have actually been also playing the new Spider-Man game for about yes. 15 hours. <laughs> so that's literally all that I did last night, finally. Didn't wow. watch any basketball, didn't watch any film, just played obscene amounts of Spider-Man and swung through that city. Nice. <laughs> nice. Adventures Tower is awesome. I know, and you can like you can find like Doctor Strange's house or whatever they call that. Yeah. The, the Sanctum or whatever they call it. Like you can find all kinds of crazy stuff. I love that game. I cannot stop. And playing Rand Enterprises point. from Iron Fist. Like yeah. you have the whole <laughs> thing just intertwined. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. So the joke's but on this everyone. Basketball. This is Yeah, this is actually a Spider Man podcast. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. we lied. We lied. <laughs> Our bad. Uh no, let's actually go into basketball. Since TJ is a Denver guy. We're going to start with the Denver Nuggets. And we have to naturally start with a debate about where Nikola Jokic ranks among the all-time greats, right? I think that's <laughs> yes, of as course. is tradition. No. Uh, yeah, it's above like Will, beat, Larry, surely. Bird, and then Jokic, right? Is that where we're starting <laughs> right? this conversation? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Bird's actually worse, so let's go there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, we're gonna, man, this is already we're falling gonna apart, save... it seems. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to save all the terrible Jokic debates for Twitter where they belong and where no one should pay attention to them. I do instead want to talk about the backcourt, though, because I, I recently wrote a piece for Give Me or, uh, sorry, Give me Sport. Yeah, Give Me Sport about them. And TJ, I know you wrote a big thing, uh, a like Gary Harris film study, which I thought was excellent. Um, I mean, I think 
this this may be a hot take, but I think the backcourt of Murray and Harris may be a top five backcourt in the league, even as early as this season. Maybe it happens like a, a year or two down the line, but like you've got Curry and Thompson, Harden and CP3, Damon CJ, Beal and Wall, and then I don't know who else is there. Like those two guys it gets are very really muddled good. at that point. It really yeah. is, and people people forget that these two kids are so young. Like Gary Harris, just he's still twenty three, about to turn twenty four. Jamal Murray didn't get, gain the ability to drink in America up until the middle of last year. These two are absurdly young at this point. So they the sky's the limit for them. Gary Harris took massive steps with the ball in his hands last year. Jamal Murray is still a streaky shooter, which is not who he is. And last year was his first healthy year since the very very beginning of his time at Kentucky. So. Th- there is a ton of upside still just hiding within this team, and they're putting up 31 points combined together, mm-hmm. and they're putting up absurd efficiency numbers, even though they are so young, playing in that death gauntlet that is the Western Conference, and the backcourts <laughs> that they have to face on a nightly basis are absurd in their own right. So I think that that is not a hot take. I think we're past the point of that being a hot take because the upside is there, and the efficiency and production is already there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, part of the problem is, as you said, they play in the West, so you have to beat, you know, six of the guys I just mentioned. You also have Russell Westbrook, now DeMar DeRozan. Like, it's tough for them to get an all-star berth, especially this early into their career. I think both of those guys have that upside and, like, probably will be there down the line, but they need some of the older guys to age out first. But, like, yeah, as you said, they're just so damn young. Both of them have made such strides. You know, Harris has gotten better every year. Murray, like, doubled his output last year, basically. Yeah. I mean, it, it, as you said, the sky's the limit for these guys. And I think, you know, while I was writing this piece, or, like, the reason I wanted to write it is because, like, I don't see that much discussion outside of Denver Twitter about these guys. But I don't know why. They just have to win before anybody's ever going to give them any kind of breath of, you know, actually speaking about them in any way like this. But this Mm -hmm. is the year that they can do that. They're doubling down on their strengths. This is not a scenario where they're trying to figure out the defensive philosophies of the team. They're just saying, you know what? We're going to score 115 a night, and we're going to (laughs) put as many shooters around Nikola Jokic, as many Mm -hmm. playmakers, as many, like, you know, three-level threats around him as we can possibly put, and we're just going to run with it and see what happens. And that's why this year could be the year that... That you see that finally everybody start to realize the talent that is in Denver because they're mm-hmm. just going to go out there and just flamethrow teams. And it's going to be interesting to see how that dichotomy works because when's the last time a team that was trying to fight for a playoff position just said, I'm not playing defense other than LeBron James-led regular season teams, you know? <laughs> right, of course right. you're going to have those superstar teams who just don't play defense in the regular season. The Cavs couldn't do it in the playoffs last year, but this is the first time that a middling, you know, up-and-coming team is is just going to double down on their offensive strengths and see if it can work in this day and age of basketball. And I think you're going to see just stupid production numbers from each of them. I wouldn't be surprised if both of them were 20-point-per-game scorers this year just because they were already only three, four points away. When you're adding more and more easy three-point looks, more and more open cuts to the rim, there's just so many opportunities to get those easy looks at the basket, and they both could just jump into that echelon of top backcourts in basketball. That's not crazy to me at all anymore. Yeah, I mean, Mort and I, we did a league pass rankings recently, and both he and I have the Nuggets as our number one team for the reason you said. I mean, it's yeah. th- these games are just going to be a track meet every night where it's like the first to 130 wins. Like, yeah. <laughs> fantasy yeah. basketball owners out there, you want 
all of the shares of any Nuggets you can get this year. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Just because, like, as you said, their defense is probably not going to be, you know, it won't, I don't think it'll be the worst. It's going the to be terrible. It's going to be bottom five. <laughs> I'm completely prepared for that. Like, in a realistic sense, that's just what it is for me. Yeah. I guess, they, what were they last year? Like, 26th? Is that right? I think they Somewhere were 26th or 27th. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. I hate looking at that number. It's just sad. But yeah. they didn't play aggressive defense at the start of last year. Like, Michael Malone is a very conservative defensive coach. He wants to drop his big. He wants to force you to get into mid-range looks. He wants to make you work. He doesn't want to gun for steals and end up playing four on five behind it. This year, I have a very strong suspicion that's going to change. They're just going to be getting out and trying to poke every ball away, get into every passing lane, try and really force that transition opportunities, and that could help them defensively, only because you are adding so many offensive possessions that would normally be offensive possessions for the opposing team. I think that there's going to be a little bit of a spike, especially fantasy-wise, like you said, of just guys who were just gobbling up steals and getting out on the break. I think that that's going to be an interesting part of this conversation, too. Yeah, totally agree. Um, more the one—I don't even know if it's a concern necessarily, but the one—you know—I feel very confident about their backcourt. I feel great about mm-hmm. Jokic. I feel great about Millsap. Mm-hmm. The three spot is like if there is a mm-hmm. potential hole in this team, it's that. Just because you know Wilson Chandler was not great last year. He had a really good season the year prior, but was you know struggled a bit last year. They traded him. They re-signed right. Will Barton. Now he's going to be the starting small forward. How do you see that working out? Are you concerned at all about like maybe Barton is just better in a six-man role and they're going to miss him in that capacity? And like there may be some struggle to figure out like the division of touches between Jokic, him, and the backcourt. No, I th- I not think at they're. All. The uh, the weird part of this is that Wilson Chandler was the fifth option last year, and that was a role that he was willing to take in. He he was going to be a ball mover. He wasn't going to be getting lots of shots. He understood that. Will Barton likes to shoot. That that's not crazy, and that's something that he does want to do. But I don't think this is going to be a scenario where there's a, a pull for uh, for touches at that point because. This is what's so weird about the Nuggets offense. Nikola Jokic will get you easy looks. Even Wilson Chandler yep. had 26-point games last year where he just got easy looks over and over and over again. Um, the one part that is going to be interesting to losing Wilson Chandler is that he was kind of the catalyst to put any semblance of a defensive lineup on the floor because he could defend three to four different positions, but... Again, was he really going to slow the Kevin Durant's of the world? Was he really going to slow any of the top-tier small forwards? I don't think so. He was better off as a power forward. He was mm-hmm. he should not have been playing small forward as much as he did, in my opinion. It was just the roster called for it. So I'm not as worried about it. And then I actually went up and looked up the, the net rating for the starters with Will Barton and not Wilson Chandler. They're like mm-hmm. a plus 32.7 per 100 possessions over like 100 Ooh. minutes. Like, oh the, the, it's absurd how talented they are. I mean, you have, mm. at that point, if you have Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic, you have guys who can shoot the three, who can play make off the dribble, who can keep the ball moving, who can attack in isolation on their own. They can all do anything from the that triple threat position. There is no one singular way to defend them. There just isn't at that point because you're getting teams scrambling, you're attacking closeouts, you're making the extra pass, and there's always going to be an open shot. So while, yes, I do think that there was a valid reason for Will Barton to be in that six-man role, that volume-scoring role just off the bench, just go be a gunner, 
I think he can be the guy who just fits into this offensive system like a plug-and-play kind of format and just goes. I would not be surprised if they are significantly more fluid when they do have Will Barton in that lineup than with uh, Wilson Chandler. People forget Wilson Chandler is the first player since Dennis Rodman to play over 40 minutes and not score a point. And that was in the play-in game yeah. against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like they need something from that small forward spot and Will Barton can give it to him. And he's as close yeah. as anybody to Gary Harris and Jamal Murray. They are they are all those three are very 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 close. So if you want to talk about the maturation of this backcourt like we were earlier, Will Barton being that small forward will continually help facilitate that exact thought process as well. So I cannot be more excited for Will Barton to be in the starting lineup. And you're not losing the fire off the bench because you got Isaiah Thomas on a veteran minimum deal. You can just let him go gun off the bench. You can just let him run wild. I'm not worried about that anymore. And Mason Plumlee is the perfect pick-and-roll partner for him. I'm very much so looking forward to how this roster suddenly just looks deep because they weren't deep last year at all. But now you can really beat up bench units. Right. And, yeah, I know Mort is especially high on Trey Lyles as well, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm with you there. You know that. We've talked about that on Twitter before. I think Trey Lyles could really be a guy who steps in and be a – a 13-point-per-game scorer off the bench this year and spreads the floor for Isaiah Thomas and is able to attack closeouts and show his vision and his ability to attack off the bounce because that's when he's at his best. His best trait is probably his shooting, but he's at his best when he can attack closeouts and show off his athleticism, get to the rim, and play make a little bit. Yep. Uh, I agree entirely with with all your points, which is why I'm feeling pretty confident about my scorching hot take that I told you about earlier. I didn't go into specific details. So... Let me just uh, introduce this a little bit. So obviously, we're looking at the Golden State Warriors right now being the best team in the league. We're looking at LeBron being the best player in the league. That will change in the coming years. You know, someone will have to step up to that mantle in both those yep. scenarios. As far as I'm concerned, I think Giannis is going to be the, the king of the league for a good five to seven years. Very soon. I think he's going to be the guy that has just looked upon as the undoubtedly best player in the NBA. Now, when it comes to the best team, I think that could be the Nuggets. And I think that could be fairly soon, within the next three or four years. Mm. Because we're looking at a team that is, on a foundational level, so unselfish and doesn't have this problem of, oh, I need to get X amount of shots. There's a fluidity towards their offensive game plan that is very tailored to how championship teams are run if you look past like the Detroit Pistons teams. Yeah, But they're very much in terms of we want to share the ball, like the extra pass, the, the better shot is prioritized, which is very in much in line with those who have won championships. And at the same time, they're also not lacking in talent. Like Nikola Jokic is going to be an MVP candidate at some point. Gary Harris is going to be one of the best two-way players in the NBA. Jamal Murray is going to be, uh, you know, the, the new era type point guard because with the league having... Got seen so many players who, who've come in who can do virtually everything on the court, you know, centers, power forwards, small forwards, whatever, the, the need for a ball-dominant point guard is just minimized. It's no longer there. And Jamal Murray just fits into that role perfectly. Even though he can handle, he can initiate the offensive need be, he doesn't need to. That's also, you know, side note, that's why I fucking hate the the entire backlash against Gary Harris's, you know, somewhat minor uh, production on the rebounds and the assist numbers. Like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, people look at those too. numbers. Yeah. Like, oh, he's not a good rebounder. He's not a good passer. No, no, that's that's not true. That's not how it is. It's This is by design. Like, he's yes. still one of the most influential players 
on the Nuggets, the most essential perimeter player at this point. Now, and, and let's go back to Will Barton. He's just 27, so he's still yeah. got a lot of game left. And he's a, an underrated all-around player. This guy could easily be like a 15-5-5 player who participates defensively, can run in, in transition, can spot up a three. And while I get the idea that, oh, you know, power-hungry for or, or shot-hungry off the bench, like being that gunner could be attractive, he doesn't need to, to be uh, that type of guy. I mean, he, he doesn't easily want to play. Be. And I don't, yeah, right. I've seen nothing from him that indicates that he has to be that guy. And I think Trey Lyles ultimately is going to be the starting power forward after Millsap's deal is over. And Lyles, again, is one of those guys who needs shots in in, in not in a ball-dominant f- fashion. Like, he'll spot up. He'll take these, you know, the close-out drives. Like, he will do things that isn't ball-dominant. When you really look at the Denver Nuggets, you have a team of... Of so many guys who can produce without pounding the ball for 15 seconds. All of them can shoot. All of them can t- make pinpoint decisions. And that that is a wonderful recipe for an elite, elite, elite offense, which takes you very far in today's NBA. So for me, it's all about how does that defensive improve over the next couple of years to become clear NBA champion f- favorites. I think it will happen internally to some degree. I think they will find some external factors as well, like some some additions. I've always loved the idea of David Nwapa on the Nuggets, and apparently uh, yeah, he could be had for one point five mil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would make sense. Would have made sense. One point five mil. I mean, look, those type of guys are out there. They can do stuff. I, I'm looking at the Nuggets as being the heir to the Golden State Warriors. Ultimately, I think within the next five years, and here's my hot take. Within the next five years, we'll see an NBA Finals matchup between Denver and Milwaukee. That is a hot take. That is a scalding, vicious, like, cannot (laughs) feel my skin anymore kind of hot take for sure. Absolutely. But I I think the part of this that isn't discussed enough because of the strangeness surrounding it is Michael Porter Jr., we have yeah. literally no idea. He could be a 25, 5, and 5 guy with ridiculously long defense, even if he's not willing to be a lockdown guy. You add right. a player like that at small forward next to Nikola Jokic, someone who, by the way, when he came into his press conference, is taller than Nikola Jokic. The dude is just the perfect fit at that point. You want to talk about raising that ceiling to a point to where you can contend, to where you can mm-hmm. bang with the biggest and baddest teams in the entire league. That's how you do it. And the one last part, you want Trey Lyles to be the starting uh, power for when Millsap goes away. People are not talking enough about Jared Vanderbilt, and I will die on this island. All right, this dude is Lamar Odom with better rebounding efficiency. He can can produce out of the pick and roll. He broke metrics. Like, talking to Tim Connolly, the Nuggets president of basketball operations, he said that he broke their rebounding metric. Like, they did not have any comparison for what he did at Kentucky. And even if you go back to his time in the EYBL League and things like that, he was putting up throughout his entire career from, like, basically high school until after Kentucky, like almost 16 rebounds per 36 minutes. Absurd numbers. There is so much talent hiding within like the just the little fringes of this roster that haven't even come to fruition in any capacity yet. There is a real scenario in, when this, in which this team takes off. And my question to you guys is, 
can this offensive format function in the playoffs? Because if you ask me, they are going to tire defenses out in the half court in a playoff setting. If you're going to run through every single screen that they're going to send you through, if you're going to have to play up and away with Nikola Jokic at the high post, you are going to exhaust teams. And I think that there is a playoff like value to how they play, which is something that the Nuggets have never had as a franchise when they've been trying to create these contending teams. I think that's really going to be what changes things in Denver mm-hmm. and makes them competitors. I, I Yeah, I think it's perfectly valid to look at the playoffs and, and look at that offense and go, yeah, it is transferable. Like, we know, we've, we've seen teams that rely heavily on the three ball, go cold, like, you know, the Houston Rockets, what, they, they missed, what, 27? 27. 27, right? That. Yeah. Right. And the thing with the Nuggets is, like, they will take a lot of threes, but that's not their only weapon. Like, they, they don't necessarily have to go, you know, all, all three ball all the time. Like, they have Jokic you, you can dump the ball into. I know, you know, hashtag, let's, you know, fuck the low post offense. But it does carry some advantages. <laughs> it does. It and, does. And very much like Golden State, they don't turn down wide open mid-range shots. Like, if that shot presents itself, they're going to take it as they should, which is going to squeeze out points. Now, the fact that they also have a very great cutting offense with players just <laughs> knowing how to move off the ball... That is something that just kills teams in the playoffs. Like, and that's a, rare, a, too. Right. Yeah, it is. Like, Golden State, I mean, look at them. They, they perfected it. I, I don't see any reason as to why Denver couldn't copy that or even exceed it to some extent because they have world-class cutters on that team. Gary Harris in particular and Jamal Murray is going to be an absolute beast in that sense as well. Like, right now, he's one of those mostly perimeter scorers, but he's, he's actually sneaky, bulky, and strong. And oh, athletic yeah. as well. Yeah, he like, could have he been an NFL receiver. He he has come out right. and said that he was better at football than basketball, and he he could have been a six four, two hundred and twenty pound like ex receiver with big strong hands. So when you watch it, we and like you said earlier with his rebounding and assist numbers, because of how good he is running the break and getting out in transition and using that soft hands, they just have him weak. We're going to send four guys to, 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 to go get this board. We're going to send Gary to the other side of the floor. They have been doing that forever, which is why you see his rebounding numbers at two and three. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you have to face guard Gary Harris. You have to face mm-hmm. guard Jamal Murray. And when that happens, you have the dunker spot wide open because you're forcing the weak side help from that spot. So you always have a dump-off pass. Or if you fall back, then Jokic does the easy mid-range shot. There's just no way to defend this team. Like whenever I have these mm-hmm. conversations, it just blows my mind because there just isn't a way to defend this team. You just have to hope they miss. Yeah. Yep. Well, and that's what the thing I like about the construction of this team is like they know not only is Jokic obviously a great passer, but Millsap is too. Yes. So you know how you guys were talking about earlier, like yeah, you know Gary Harris and Jamal Murray, they don't get an overwhelming number of rebounds or assists. They're not going to put up triple doubles like Westbrook, but that's good. Like you're. Yeah. you have yes. these front court guys yeah. who can pass like that, you don't need a ball-dominant point guard. Like, I, you know, I remember going into last preseason, Murray still hadn't won the starting point guard job, and he was competing with Moutier, who is a terrible shooter and a ball-dominant huh. guy, and he turned the ball over constantly. Like, he is the antithesis of who you want next to Jokic. And so when Murray won that job... And, you know, he started a little bit slow, but then he, like, really caught fire pretty quickly and just never looked back. Like, now they just realize we need spot-up shooters next to Jokic. Mm-hmm. Like, we can run the offense through Jokic. You can have, and as you, you know, with Will Barton now, too, as you said, like, 
he is better on ball than Wilson Chandler is next last year. So now you've got really <laughs> five guys who can do everything. They can handle, they can pass, they can shoot. Yep. As you said, like that makes them indefensible. It's like what the Warriors have had, you know, like that that's what that's makes right. the Warriors so dangerous too is all of their guys can do everything. So there is no good game plan. Now you don't have a Stephen Curry and a Klay Thompson and a Kevin Durant on this team, but like as you know, all of these guys, except for Millsap, are young enough that you can reasonably expect them to continue to improve. And it's not just the starting unit. Isaiah Thomas is a triple threat guy. Mason Plumlee can't shoot that well, but he's one of the better playmaking centers in basketball. We've already mm-hmm. talked about Trey Lyles being able to create in the way that he does. And then Torrey Craig, who's very underrated and will have a bigger role this year because he's not on a two-way, he averaged three assists a game in the G League as a wing. Like, these are, like, you, it's unrelenting. Like, even when you have the, like, seventh, eighth guy come off the bench, you still can't just defend them in one singular way. It's, just, it's going to be unrelenting, and they're going to just punish teams repeatedly, and I cannot wait to see what that actually turns into. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a reason we had this team ranked first in our league best rankings. Like, mm-hmm. everyone, I know the Nuggets are not, like, the most nationally, like, sexy team, but they should be. Everyone should really watch this team mm-hmm. this year. They're going to be super, super fun, even if you don't have any emotional investment. You're not a Denver fan, whatever. If you enjoy basketball, if you enjoy points being scored, watch Nuggets this year. <laughs> yes. Do you guys have like a, like a win-loss total for them yet? Do you guys have like a rankings that you guys have brought out? We have not yet. We're going to do that after we get through all of our division previews. We'll do like a cool. season-long kind of uh, where we expect which teams. Going to be high, though. Yeah. Yeah. Going to be high. Yeah. I'm already – I'm holding strong at 50 wins already. Like I, I believe in this team. Yeah. I, I think uh, – like I would put them somewhere in the like four or five range in the Western Conference, depending yeah. on. Well, Brian, we did the over under. That's where, true. Where did we Where did we land on the? Because they're at forty seven sure and a half. Is oh yeah, we went over there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure over. Yeah. People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Let's move on to the Thunder, uh, who <laughs> had quite an interesting There's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. Uh, so the first question, Mort, I'm going to throw this to you. Uh, they lost Carmelo Anthony. Do you think that's right. actually going to be addition by subtraction? To some degree. <laughs> I mean, look, they, they, I still feel that they need a little bit more offensive punch. I know that you're absolutely in love with them and your boner is still strong, but <laughs> you know, the, the, their defense is going to be absolutely awesome. I, I don't disagree with you on that, but I do think they need some sort of offensive punch here that Melo did provide. Like, we crapped on Melo a lot, but... The dude still buried 16 points a game and was still, you know, I what was he, 150-plus three-pointers as well? Like, he mm-hmm. was an outside threat. Uh, you know, they, losing that is going to hurt your offense. Defensively, however, they're going to win in that department by leaves and bounds, but just by giving those minutes to Jeremy Grant, who is just that much more active, both on the glass and in transition and all that. I, I just wonder if they can replace it. You know, I know they got Dennis Schroeder in, but... 
I, I'm very skeptical of Dennis overall, as you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not sure if that's enough. But ultimately, I, I think it's difficult to say if it's, you know, if it's an addition by subtraction because when you look at the whole makeup of the team, it just changed so drastically. Right. That I think it's incomparable. Yeah, I think defensively, as you said, it will be just because you're putting Jeremy Grant and Patrick Patterson in those minutes. But yeah, yeah, offensively, you're right. He, you know, he he had his worst year offensively, I think, ever, or at least since his rookie year. But like, oh yeah, ever, ever. Yeah, it's still, as you said, it's still 16 points a game. So that that does lead into well, they got Dennis Schroeder as his, you know, in the trade for him. Dennis Mm. Schroeder was not hyper-efficient in Atlanta last year, but, like, he proved on a high enough volume he could score 20 points a game. So, uh, TJ, what do you expect from Schroeder in OKC this year? It's not even Schroeder that I look at. It's the fact that Russell Westbrook is going to play with another point guard. That That's mm. what is so important to me about this because mm. when you have Russell Westbrook spotting up off-ball and attacking closeouts, nobody can stop him. Like mm-hmm. He's a cheat code off-ball when he actually decides to buy into it. So for me, when I, I can't remember who put the tweet out, but someone put the net rating of Russell Westbrook alongside every point guard that they've had when they've played together, and the lowest mm. one was like plus 9.1 with Raymond Felton, who's awful. Like wow. The fact that he is going to get somebody else to take the ball handling pressure off of him and allow him to do other things, I think will make up for a lot of the offensive issues that they lost out by losing Melo. And the thing Mm -hmm. is, for me, this allows Paul George to finally do whatever Paul George wants to do on this court. This is... You're not going to have a guy where you swing, 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 all of a sudden Melo's jab-stepping six times and taking an 18-footer. <laughs> like, it's not, that's not going to happen anymore. Paul, right. George, I, Paul George is a low-key kind of guy that I'm looking at that could have an MVP-type season if they mm-hmm. decide to actually make noise in the Western Conference this year and things work out the way they should. I would not be surprised if you see him going out there shooting 40% from three like he did last year on even more volume because he – oh, wow, never mind. He took seven points seven threes a game last year i take back the low the higher volume part of that but i believe that they're going to get enough offensive stimulation from having two point guards out there with russell westbrook in that way to be able to mitigate that and like you said defensively this team is just going to be absurd jeremy grant Mm. providing weak side rim protection while you have stephen adams just stalemating whoever you want and then paul george and andre roberson and patrick patterson terrence ferguson who was quietly a strong defender last year for no reason Alex Abrina still has length. They have wings. They could really make noise defensively and just drive teams mad on that end of the floor. I believe in this team. They're the team that I have winning the Northwest Division personally. Wow. There we yeah. go. More people. See, I, I am. I'm there. I'm all in, yeah, I'm all in on this team as well. Because uh, I, 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 you're right. I mean, like, the offense is the bigger concern of anything. But, like, defensively... I just don't see how they don't have a top three defense this year. Because, like, they also have Nerlens off the bench. And, like, you know, Nerlens did not have Nerlens got to prove something for me. I'm not touching Nerlens with a 10-foot pole until he decides to play basketball again. Like, I just don't see it. I agree. Yeah, like, the Dallas thing was not great. But, like, he's on a one-year deal. He's going to have to be on his best behavior. He's going to be in a limited role. I I have faith, you know, if if they were trotting him out as, like, a a 35-minute-a-game starter, I would not be super excited about this team. But, like... In a limited role, and that, really, that's my question about the Thunder team. Like, as you said, TJ, if everything goes right, like they, there's an argument that this could be the second best team in the West. But you have, yeah. really, it's Schroeder and Nerlens, 
And it's the same question with Carmelo last year. Like, will you buy in to the role this team needs you to play? And it's, I guess, to some extent, you can ask that about Westbrook, too. You know, you're talking about this dual point guard lineup. Like, Westbrook, will you accept yeah. playing off ball at times? Or are you just going to... The, the numbers con- just... No, go ahead. The numbers just put it out there for me. Like seeing those numbers, seeing that he was at least a plus nine point one with all of these just atrocious point guards. Like he was a positive net rating with Samaj Christian next to him. Like I don't know how, but for some reason it just works. And I'm a very ana- yep. analytically based person. When I see for three and a half years, when we're talking about you know Westbrook averaging a triple double and he's still putting up this efficiency along these mm-hmm. guys, I believe in that. I do, and I, maybe it's fool's gold. I don't know yet. But I, I, I just believe in it. And I, but I do think the argument for Dennis Schroeder is an interesting one. Is he going to buy in? I think mm-hmm. Russell, West, West, Russell Westbrook will just beat the shit out of him if he doesn't. Him and Mello were <laughs> friends. Schroeder and him are not friends. Like, this right. is not a thing where they have prior you know, connections to each other. I, I think that'll be different. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer had an article the other day where he was talking about uh, lineups that we should all be excited to see this season. And he was talking about this dual point guard thing with Schroeder and Westbrook and will Westbrook get to play off the ball. And it's, yeah, I mean, I agree that, like, of the two, Westbrook, you know, he's he's got his big contract. He's, like, secure about his place in the NBA. Schroeder's signed for a couple more years, so he doesn't have to worry yeah. about you know, stat padding quite yet. And, like, really, he probably needs to be on his best behavior, too, because he just got salary dumped for Carmelo Anthony, which is not yes. a great sign for your future in the when NBA. When you are said that you are worse in the locker room than Dwight Howard, you have a lot of room to make up suddenly. <laughs> right. So he's definitely got to do, like, some rehab. But, it, you know, again, it's like he played such a big role on that Atlanta team. And that Atlanta team sucked, but, like, He's still young enough where I do worry that, like, maybe he just wants to, you know, it goes to his head that, like, I should be a starting point guard. I'm not willing to accept a six-man role. Like, if he does, I think this team, you know, the the ceiling of this team goes up exponentially. But it's just, like, you do have to worry about those intangible factors of, like, do these guys buy into the role they need to play? But I, I'm with you on the Paul George point especially. Like, I think not having mellow there there's just going to be less of this like there was there was always just some deference like these guys yeah. just never quite played their game and like they kept there you know there were so many articles last year about westbrook especially where like the other two guys were like just be yourself dude and he's like well but you guys gotta get touches too and so i think you know <laughs> taking away mellow to some extent will help that like paul george can just be paul george again i would hope but yeah, again, yeah. it comes down to, a lot of this season comes down to Schroeder, which is not a thing that you necessarily want to say if you're okay <laughs> When you phrase it like that, I'm much more nervous suddenly about what I was saying than what I was. Just like just right. the optics of it depends <laughs> on Schroeder is so terrible for me. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, well, speaking of teams that I'm now nervous for, let's go to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Because oh, man. Mort, I'm going to lean on you heavily for this one because it's really just the Chicago Bulls of the early two, 2010s. Uh, <laughs> and really, I mean, we have to start with the... Before we even get into the on-court stuff, there have been multiple reports this summer. The two most notable ones, I think, are from Joe Cowley of the Chicago Sun-Times and then Sean Devaney of Sporting News. Uh, 
both kind of just hinting at some tension behind the scenes. Jimmy Butler doesn't seem to like Andrew Wiggins. Carl Towns may not like Jimmy Butler. It seems like their big three all kind of just hates each other. So do you think there's a risk of this team just completely imploding this year? Well, what's the big three here? Is Andrew Wiggins a part of the big three? <laughs> yeah, that really was a hard thing for me to swallow. Too. <laughs> yeah. Contractually, like, yes. Contractually, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, okay. So, so here's the. I mean, I've been I've been talking about this a lot. I I don't know where to stand on this because on one hand, I totally get where Tibbs and Jimmy is coming from in terms of wanting, you know, this this more um, hard work being put into the young guys like in Towns and Wiggins. But at the same time, I can also see like it's tiring for young guys just listening to these old dudes all the fucking time because that is unbearable at a certain point. They really just need to come together in some capacity. It's a problem when you negotiate a new deal with Andrew Wiggins and you have to have your owner like <laughs> ask him, are you going to promise to get better? Yeah, That's not a good thing. And now Towns is like, oh, I'm, I might be signing a shorter term deal. And, and honestly, it's like, he's yeah, he's the guy you had to keep. But you're also concerned because he hasn't taken these steps that you would thought he would be. Like remember when he was when he was drafted, he was like, "Oh, this is the this is the next coming. He's a two way player. He's going to be great defensively right off the bat." Mm-hmm. And he's been horrible, mostly because he just hasn't put in the work on that end. He is an offensive minded player, which has tremendous value, but certainly also its shortcomings. So I get that the frustration level from from both Tips and Jimmy Butler in this regard. But they have to be more proactive about it instead of just, you know, jabbing to the media or, or, you know, being malicious about it, which I know Jimmy can be. I mean, look, the the Chicago kids were also pissed at Jimmy and, and Dwayne Wade. Right. But that's because Jimmy is like a fully blown vet now. Like he's no longer this under the radar young guy. Like he's a vet. He expects people to come in prepared, work, his, work their asses off because look where he came from. Mm-hmm. And that is just going to spout a whole lot of problems from guys who were selected first overall and is coming in with this, oh, but I'm going to be a Hall of Famer regardless. And, like, what side do you fall on here? Like, who do you root for in this thing? And it's it's difficult. I'd, I think they need to find common ground. And I know you actually have a point in this, you know, a, a whole section uh, dedicated to this, but I'm going to talk about Luol Deng right off the bat. Okay, yeah. Because Luol Deng is rumored to be a, a Timberwolf, obviously. Or, or and soon people to are be. Like, yeah. soon to be soon and to people, be yes <laughs> soon to be and people are laughing at that saying like oh tips is, is bringing back the Timberwolves ha 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 but here's the thing what people forget about Luol Deng Luol Deng may have been a top 25 teammate in the history of the NBA Luol Deng was just fan fucking tastic at talking to young guys including Jimmy Butler when he was a kid just taking his arm around young guys and guiding them and helping them, not just regarding basketball, but off-the-court stuff, like just preparing them as human beings. If there's a guy out there who can sort of maybe bridge that gap between Tibbs and, and Jimmy Butler, or, or the, the, yeah, the bridge that's called Tibbs and Jimmy Butler, and the other side of the bridge that's called you know Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, it might be Luol Deng. Because Tibbs right now is is trying to arm himself with former Bulls guys who put in the work. Like if Joakim Noah's bought out, he's also going to be joining in. Right. All those guys had the same philosophy. We're going to work our asses off to, you know, or we worked our asses off to get where we where we ended up, like being all-stars and all these things. Mm-hmm. So I think what Tibbs is trying to do is kind of prove to these young kids that look at what we did. 
let's have these guys come in every single day, work their butt off in practice because they know we, we all know that they will. And if we see from you guys like Towns and Wiggins that you're not going to respond to that, then we have to make some sort of arrangement because that that cannot be a thing. And for look, Towns, you would get a bad rep all around the league if you didn't work his ass off in practice, if when everyone else did as well. There are a lot of factors going into this summer, a lot of them. But my big hope is Luol Deng will be the big ass savior, basically. That's what it comes down to, which is frightening. Yes. In and of that, itself. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like the whole the Thunders season like revolves around Dennis Schroeder's kind of right. levels of bad right there. I am so terrified of this team. I have I have very little faith in any of this bridging that you're talking about happening. I get how that. Many, how many players who are as talented as Carl Anthony Towns and are as wanted and um, people understand that he's a 24 and 12 guy for the rest of his mm-hmm. career who is going to take a shorter second contract this is yeah. like the first big payday how does anybody ever think that that's a good idea he must be unhappy enough to be like i just want to be out in two years or at least be thinking that he may want to that should send shivers down every single Timberwolves fan's neck. That is oh, terrifying yeah. to me. And talking about Andrew Wiggins, what are you going to do with that contract? Like, yeah. if this doesn't get better, you're just on the hook. Like, that's that. You're not moving that deal without giving up a lot in addition to that deal. I have very little faith in this functioning the correct way, and I can see a absolute disastrous befalling of this organization if there ends up being a Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns rift, and they have to choose. Because Butler's been known to be a guy who does not want to mess around. He's been a part of the two worst big threes ever, in Rondo, Wade, and him, and then Wiggins, Towns, and him. <laughs> like, the poor dude is just like, he's ready to win, and... Yeah. Tibbs wants him. Tibbs loves him. I don't know if there is not a scenario in which they decide, you know what, let's try and keep Butler and see what we can get for a guy like Towns. Like, th- that scenario doesn't seem outlandish to me, and that's terrifying. I have so right. little faith in this going correctly. Like, frozen hell is frozen hell for a reason, right? <laughs> like, they have branded yep. their fan base around this. Like, I yeah. just don't believe in this going correctly. I just don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, hoping they would remove Tibbs from the front office before he has a chance to get rid of Towns because, like, to yeah, me... Yeah, but Glenn Taylor is giving $148 million out to Wiggins. Like, are we, yeah. do we have that much faith in these guys? No, absolutely not. And, I mean, like, more you said it, and, like, these are, or both of you guys said it, these are, like, Tibbs is loyal to his Bulls guys. So, like, yeah, I could see a scenario in which they choose Butler over Towns. That's the completely wrong choice. Like, yes, it Butler, is. Butler might be a better player than Towns is right now, but Butler is also mm. what, like seven or eight years older, has Tibbs mileage on his knees for mm-hmm. his entire career, basically, and a bad meniscus. Right. Like, yes. you're if you're looking, like you gotta look long term here. Like, you're not winning the title right now. Butler is very much in his prime, and he's going to be exiting it soon. Towns is still years away from his prime, and I know, I know there are the concerns about his defense, and you know maybe behind the scenes there are concerns about his work ethic. At least that's what seems to be driving this tension between Butler and Towns. All right. I don't care. Like he's still so young, as you said, Mort. Like when he came out, he was supposed to be the next Anthony Davis, and yep. like no, he's not making that type of impact defensively. But, you know, we were talking about all these new unicorns. Like, he's right up there. He still has so much time to yes, get better. And, and Biggs, Absolutely. 
you know, bigs defensively, it often takes a couple years for them to get just acclimated to the way the NBA works. He's not Jaleel Okafor on defense. Like, he's not completely nope. hopeless. He, the, he has the tools to get there. It's just like right. he's not great yet. But this is not a type of player you give up on. So, like, yeah, you know, I would, I've been wondering all summer. Like, when Anthony Davis was up for his contract or his extension, he signed July 1st, 12.01 a.m., and there was, like, a whole big deal about it. It, it seemed weird to me that we're now two months into free agency, or more than two months in, and two months into when Towns could have signed his extension, and he still hasn't. So, yeah, like, now hearing this report that, you know, he, he might just be sending a message, like, maybe he does end up signing the five-year extension, and that's fine, and, like, everything's hunky-dory eventually, but, like, it's weird that he hasn't signed it yet. This is not how things go for a number one overall pick who's shown that type of upside that doesn't have, you know, like Embiid didn't sign his until closer to the season, but like Embiid had played 31 games until that point. Yeah, and they had so much weird contractual verbiage about his injury and stuff. There was just a lot more strangeness around it. Right, like there shouldn't, this should not, this should be like a cut and dry, there shouldn't have been like Glenn Taylor should not have had to meet with Towns like he did with Wiggins and be like, you promise you're going to get better? It should have been like, here is a five-year max extension July 1st, we're not going to, like, just take it. Like, it's cut and dry. So, yeah, I mean, TJ, you said it well. Like, I, you know, going back to our over-unders, I forget when Minnesota's was. I think it's in, like, the 45, 46 range. And, Mort, I think both you and I took the under just because we're so scared of, like, this team, if things go south for this team, I don't see any way that Jimmy, like, I mean, like, they should trade Jimmy Butler by midseason. Because I think he's yeah. going to leave after this year. I don't think they will trade him because he's a right. Tibbs guy. But like this team could just completely collapse. I think that's the holdup on the Towns extension. I think he, right now the reason he hasn't signed it is because he's asking the club to trade Jimmy. Mm. Like he, be, I think he's yeah, a, yeah. holding that's, the club hostage at this ooh. point. I wouldn't be surprised. Like him just going full blown. I'll sign it. As soon as Jimmy is traded, mm-hmm. his days are numbered on that. It's an extension. He's got to get it done by a certain time. So yeah, yeah exactly. Like October, mid October, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. The and first half. day of the season, I think it's the fourteenth or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, so just yeah, just over a month. So yeah. the clock is ticking. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so where would you guys want to see Butler traded to? Where where can where can the Wolves get enough back, and who could benefit enough from it? So. We, I, I was going to circle back to this where we get to Portland, but to me, Portland's one place where, you know, I'm writing something right now about them for uh, Gimme Sport, about, like, how they're not, they don't seem to be in a rush to break up Dame and CJ. I don't think they should be. I think there are moves they can make, and we'll get into that later. Uh, but I think if you are going to break apart those guys, it should be for a situation like what we saw with Kyrie or Kawhi, where, like, a superstar demands out and your team loses leverage. And this is what's going to happen with Jimmy, too. So do you weigh something where you trade CJ for Jimmy? And, like, yeah, I know. It It makes sense. On paper, it all makes sense. Like, I do see what you're saying, for sure. I just don't know if Portland would be willing. That That's a tough pill to swallow because they've branded right. around that backcourt. Like, those guys are close friends. And Damian Lillard's already, like, there's been enough unrest to where he had to meet with ownership 
just to be able to feel comfortable with the potential outlook of this team. Mm-hmm. If you trade his best friend off the team, man, like you're looking at potential implosion there as well. Which we'll get to them. I have a lot of thoughts on Portland. Oh, I got a lot of thoughts on Portland, but yeah, yeah, that, it's a tough one. Yeah, they're in a really tough spot. But to me, they they jump out as a team where like that's enough of a return. Like you know, I think the problem is a there are just so many guys who are about to become free agents that you, do you swap like a 2019 free agent for a 2019 free agent and just you know, hope that's enough, or do you, like, ugh, it's, it's so tough for the Denver Wolves, because, like, I don't, there yeah. aren't many guys, I don't think, or I can't think of any off the top, or many off the top of my head where it makes sense to, like, you know, sure, no. it could be, like, the Lakers, I guess, like, if they're not kind of, I, I was coming. LA, too, yeah. Yeah. I was curious yeah, but who, if ter- for who, though? Ingram. On the Lakers, you're talking something. Ingram, yeah. Hart yeah. and a pick. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Hmm. You'd have I to... wonder if Toronto could make a run, man. Oh my god. That was <laughs> See, now we're back to the whole Butler Kawhi. Yeah, that's that, that's, that's, that's my wet dream. Yeah. My wet dream is Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard on the same team. So I would love for that. Ironically, Denver has enough assets. I'm not saying he should go there, but they do. This like, is they a very have common enough... talking point. For sure, yeah. yeah. Obviously, like I'm not saying he would fit there. I don't even like he's pretty ball dumb. He's he's now, don't get me wrong. He loves to share the ball. He's a great passer, so he would probably be able to incorporate himself well in Denver, even though it would take some time. But I kind of dig what Denver is doing on the long term, and that meniscus man he still tears. It scares the living shit out of me when it comes to Jimmy. And he would like, have less pressure on him in Denver, like you said. Like, he wouldn't have to be the guy suddenly. Like, he doesn't have no. to literally go save his team on a nightly basis. As someone right. who watched Jimmy Butler single-handedly beat the Nuggets twice last year, just dragging a corpse of that Wolves team to a victory, <laughs> he wouldn't have to do that. Like, that wouldn't be part mm-hmm. of this anymore. I don't know. I think the Jimmy Butler in Denver thing's interesting because then you start looking long-term. If you can keep Jimmy in Denver and you pair him with Michael Porter Jr. at the four and Nikola Jokic at the five, mm. that's... That, that that's some serious firepower, that switchability, could be versatility. Yep. That's it's interesting. What I really bothers me in this is really that Jimmy has not landed a place where his strengths are really maximized. Like, yeah. I think I mean look look at this dude. He's going to potentially risk ending up as one of those guys who are going to be viewed as less than he actually is. Like, he is insanely good. Like, to me, an obvious talent-level MVP candidate when he gets, like, into the right place. He is so damn good. And, but right now, there's this whole narrative around him. Like, Brian, you mentioned it. Like, the tips knees. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the whole mi- minutes being drained from his career. And then you yeah. add the meniscus thing. So I think a lot of teams are looking at him like, oh, there's a clear expiration date. Mm-hmm. But when is that in? Like we don't know what that date is. Is it in five years? Is it in two yeah. years? Like if it's in two years, like then he's also going to see a limited return in, in free agency next year because then teams yeah. are going to be scared off handing him a full max. Even though right now, like he's clearly like if his production keeps at that same level, he's clearly worth it. But oh man, he he's just such a tough player to gauge right now because of the tips factor, because of the meniscus. Because of the way that he plays, in terms of he's not being like a traditional three-point shooter as well, mm-hmm. like he's just—he's weird. He's excellent weird. He's still my favorite player, but he's—he's he's weird. Oh, you know who yeah. I should have mentioned as a potential Jimmy? Philly. Oh, yep. I love Philly's that. the one. Yeah, Philly's the that. one, man. And they yeah. have the money to be able to make it work too. Like you just send JJ yeah. Redick or whatever back. Like you could make the money work. 
Right. That's yeah. a re- like I've always thought that was the, that, that was a great spot for him. I'm cl- I'm curious if they can do that, and I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland decided to make a run at him just for fun. Like I would not be surprised mm-hmm. if Gilbert was like, "Let's grab that eight seed. He'd be great for calling Sexton. Let's <laughs> yeah. just see what happens." Like that does not would not surprise me whatsoever. Right. Right. Totally. Ironically, the Bulls need a three. Yeah, there you go. The, if the back. Bulls traded for Butler, yeah. I would just quit. I, I would leave. I'd be like, I'm not doing <laughs> yeah. this anymore. I don't understand basketball. I don't know how this works. I'm but done. Look, like, <laughs> I mean, look, the, the Bulls, like, Stefan No from The Athletic had a great tweet last night. It's like, the Bulls matched a $78 million offer sheet for Zach Levine, but let David Nwapa go for $1.5 million. Like that's peak it's gar packs, man. Said, We're already yeah. there. We know. I'm what just this saying, is. nothing is impossible. <laughs> and he would just make so much. I would love him back in Chicago, man. He was so great there. It's just the Bulls fire are like Horper. The, like, just just move on to the chaos. Like that, they yeah. the, the Bulls are the franchise embodiment of anything is possible. And J.R. Smith just excitedly throwing his hands in yep. there. They just do things, <laughs> and you hope for the best, and you just see what goes on. And you may not be in your right mind for any of the decision making process, but you got a lot of hope. <laughs> I just is... don't believe. I hate that. Team. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That is the perfect description of the Bulls. That's that's not even. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. This Timberwolves conversation got out of whack there for a second. Yeah, that's, well, that's that's the Timberwolves for you. Are you tired of not earning anything on your hard-earned money? Your path to more money starts with a certificate from Pathways Financial Credit Union. Right now, earn a 2.68% annual percentage yield on a 60-month certificate with a minimum balance of just $500. Great rates like this have helped make Pathways the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Earn more on your money. Stop by any convenient location or check us out at PathwaysCU.com. Pathways is federally insured. By the NCUA. Um, let's move on to the Utah Jazz, though, because I think we, we we've we've been with enough sad teams now that we can go back to happy for yeah. a minute, and then we'll go back to Portland. So, one more sad, sad one. Uh, but yeah. the Jazz, uh, Morton, I'm going to throw this to you first because you were all over Donovan Mitchell even before the draft, as our listeners are well aware. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you, you 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 projected big things for him. I don't know, even you know, even in your rosy outlook for him you couldn't have been expected how quickly he hit the ground running and you know is now, this where I'm, I'm gonna lie and say of course i did yeah right probably all right <laughs> but you know now he's coming off like you know he was already the number one option rookie of the year runner-up what do you expect right. for him in year two? First 25 point season of his career first of many wow. uh wow. he's that good Lord. he's that good he's that i love good. donovan mitchell but you don't see any potential regression. Zero. You see that. Like, no, well, oh, I, I look at that with team. Twenty-four and four. Right. As a rookie in the West. Yep. I look. love Donovan Mitchell. Like I was as high on as on him as you were coming out of college. Yeah, you I was were so high on him. But this is absurd. People don't do this. Like I, 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 I just have to believe there's some regression here. I don't see him literally like getting better. I just. I, it's so hard to wrap my head around it. Well, here's the thing, though. When you look at that Utah roster, like, where else is that offense going to come from? Like, I think he's going to be forced to score 25 a game. Like, Joe Ingles? Hey, Joe Ingles, go get me 20. Nightly. No Joe Ingles slander on this. I will not stand for it. I love him, but he's not a high-volume guy. Like, Joe Ingles is, is, yeah. I I can't even say he's my son. He's, like, my age. But you know what I mean. 
Like he's <laughs> he he's terrific, but like where's that offensive punch gonna come from? It's not gonna come from Dante Exum. It's not gonna come from Ricky Rubio. It's not like David Derek Favors is not gonna develop into like a nineteen point score all of a sudden. Like yeah, what are you what are you putting your hopes in? Like Grayson Allen in year one? Not happening. Mm-mm. I mean, Mm-mm. Donovan Mitchell is probably going to have to average twenty five twenty six points next season already. The thing with me is like this dude is just ready to become that fully-fledged superstar, I think. I mean, it just he's has it written all over him. So I'm, I'm looking at a guy who's just going to make these steady improvements to his game on a year-by-year basis. Like, statistically, he may be somewhat close to what you end up with, and not like like raw statistics, but in his, his defensive impact is going to be greater. I mean, look, he got thrown into the fire last season, averaging 17 shots a game, being the number one option. Like he's so much better defensively than than you know people make him out to be. Look at what he did at Louisville. He was ridiculous. Like there's no way that he is not a better defender than what he showed last year, which is a weird situation. So he's going to steadily make these climbs. He's going to prove that oh he's actually one of the best two way players in the NBA at some point. He's going to prove that oh he's actually a better rebounder than what he showed because hey hello Rudy Gobert who was going to take a shit ton of rebounds away. Like he's just going to prove all these things wrong. And he's going to do it on a year-to-year basis. This year is just, you know, the second year for him having to come out and put up huge numbers until he kind of settles into, like, a more permanent role. We see that a lot from players, like, coming out of fire and then realizing, oh, you know, I can scale it back a little bit. I can pick my spots a little bit more. Like, the team gets better. More people want to sign with them because of him at some point. And then, you know, you have the shared responsibility of scoring the basketball. But that responsibility isn't there this year. That is his responsibility. So I wouldn't be surprised if he had a few 50 uh, games as well. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. But still, I mean, you're asking a dude who is 21, 22, yeah. 21. 22. To, yeah, 22. He, to take on just this absurd scoring load yeah. in the toughest division in basketball and the toughest conference. Mm-hmm. Like, th- there is a way that he does end up regressing just because shots don't fall in the same way. You know, you don't yep. get as hot. They had a ridiculous second half. They won like a 13-game winning streak. Like, yeah, what did. if those breaks don't happen? Like, I, I, the Western Conference this year, it's such a small margin of error. Like, you have one thing go wrong, you fall from the three seed to the ten seed. Like, that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That, that, it worries me. And for a guy that young to take on that kind of pressure, he didn't have the pressure last year. It was it, That was a happy surprise. And suddenly now... He is looked yeah. at as a guy that has to be a 23-5-5 at 22 in his second year in the Northwest. Yeah. I, I just, I'm nervous. I'm skeptical. I get that. I, I, I agree with you. Like, they should have done a better job of acquiring some sort of offensive they scoring coach for him. They did. Like, when they traded Rodney Hood, they also traded away, at that point at least, 17 points a game. Like, yeah. he was at 16.8, I think, before the Cleveland trade, and then he went into the, the tank or something. I don't know what the hell happened there. But, yeah, I mean, that, that that's, those numbers have not been replicated. Like, Jay Crowder is not going to come in and, hey, hey guys, I'm going to carry us to win you yeah. know, tonight. We're, I'm going to get you 27. Yeah, no, that's, that's not going to happen. So who's that guy? Who's that second guy? Like, Rudy Gobert might actually be the second leading scorer this year. That'd be bad. Yeah, I love Rudy, but that would be bad. Yeah. It would be. It would be. Like I, I have wet dreams about Nikola Mirotic uh, next to to yeah, yeah to to Donny. I think that makes a lot of sense. But that's I, a dream. I just don't. 
right, I don't think the Pelicans are going to go for that in any capacity. But they need that type of player, like a proper stretch four-man that he can play off of a little bit, a kind of a release valve player. They would really they would really benefit greatly from that, and Mitchell in particular. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, that's the question, right? It's kind of the same thing with OKC, but even possibly to a greater extent is like, Utah is going to have a top three defense, if not the number one overall defense. Where do you manufacture those points outside of Mitchell? Right. And, They'll have to and, win a lot of close games with a young team. Like that, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a tall order. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering, though, you know, they re-signed Dante Exum to a three-year $33 million deal, I want to say. You know, we saw – we just haven't seen that much from him because he's been hurt so much. But, like, in the playoffs, we saw he was really good against James Harden yes. defensively especially – like, could he be that X factor for them as, like, you know, just another great defender, but also a potential source of offense either off the bench or, I mean, at some point, could he even supplant Ricky Rubio? I think so. I'm there. I- I've also been a big Dante Exum stand for a long time. I think all of these injuries he's had to go through are going to help him with the mental part of this game. He's not going to be as far away as he has been for the past few years. He is going to understand the nuances of playing point guard and being a side pick and roll creator alongside Donovan Mitchell that he has not known before. I believe that Dante Exum could be that X factor as long as he can hit any kind of shots. If he has to just make you think about the fact that he could pull up it's, it's going to completely change the fundamental basics of their team. Like, mm-hmm. he is a guy who can be that X factor. He can be that secondary creator. He can find open shots for guys. He has skip passes with both hands. He's able to get to the rim and use his length. And defensively, the dude is a stud. I'm all in on him defensively. I think he's. I think that he is one of the better point guard defenders in the NBA already. That That's mm-hmm. where I'm at with him. Yeah. I, I buy mm-hmm. it too. I mean, he's just so good defensively. Yeah, he's, yep. like wait, he's six six. I mean, he's got a ridiculously long seven wingspan. one wingspan. Yeah, yep. yeah. Like he's got the tools there. It's just he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So it, if he can, I mean, he he mm-hmm. seems like the type of player who we're going to be talking about. You know, if he stays healthy, kind of like this breakout potential player, and you know, that Mike to, Conley type. Yeah. Yeah guy that comes in really really late it just takes a while to learn the position he was too young when he came into the league mm-hmm. right yeah I, I think that's fair I, I will say you know having you know he played only 24 games Dante uh, last season including playoffs like 14 of the regular 10 of the playoffs and oh it's just I, I kind of feel bad for him that all, that so much pressure has been building on him now for that great playoff run mm-hmm. and the way that he guarded Harden because you know he, he had fresh legs like he played mm-hmm. just 14 games in the regular season so if he's coming in next year, plays all 82 or 75 or like a good chunk, and then is kind of fatigued in the playoff, he is going to be crapped on big time, which isn't fair to him because he needs a chance to get back properly. So I'm still patient with him, uh, and I want to be patient with him for a little bit longer. I have, it's just me saying I think it's unfair if we deem the following season uh, as this sort of idea that, oh, this is the guy he's going to be from here on out. Like, I want to give him more than just this coming season. I want to give him at least a couple more to see what he's got in him. But the defense is definitely intriguing. I will point to his rookie season as well when he started. He actually hit more threes than I thought he, he would coming in. Like, he hit 83. It was only on 31%, but, like, it was fine. Granted, I if I'm not mistaken, they were wide open. But still, just having that capacity of being able to hit that three ball... 
that's going to take him a long way if he can prove that he has that consistency to his game. We'll see. I mean, getting a whole fresh offseason uh, you know, without injuries, that's going to be key for him. And yeah. like right now, he's... He's healthy, right? I haven't heard of anything. Yeah, no, he's been playing at the Rico Hines run at UCLA, and his shot mechanics yeah. and his gather into his shot are significantly quicker. Like, he, he's nice. put work in. He has put work in on his shot. Right. I, I was just curious because I, didn't, I hadn't read anything about him, like, being, you know, injured during the summer or whatnot. So this would be one of the... Yeah, how many offseason has he had, like, healthy? Not many. Oh, this is, this is the second one, and the first one was his rookie year. Yeah. Wow. And the All rookie right, year yeah, offseason yeah. is never an offseason. No, that's just right, trying no. to figure out what the NBA is like. So that, yeah. that's, that's different for guys. This oh, is yeah. his first then time he's he actually to work improved. on his game. Yeah. 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 Then he's going to come in much improved. What I'm really hoping is, like, we talk, I talked about the lack of scoring punch. Like, maybe Dante is that guy. Like, if he comes in next year and, and you know, drops just 14 a game, that's mm. going to be huge. Yeah. 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 And Especially if he's breaking down defenses and scrambling guys, he could right. really be that guy. Right. I'm also wondering, Grayson Allen to me seems like another. Uh, I, I mean, again, not uh, like not a huge source of offense, but to me, uh, Donovan Mitchell is going to be a great both on court and off court mentor for him. I think, um, and I, I just feel like he's going to come in and like fill the role they wanted Alec Burks to fill over the last couple of years. Just like spot up, hit a couple threes play some annoying defense, you know, again, he's not going to play 35 minutes a game, but in that system, I could easily see him just giving them enough that, like, that could swing a couple games their way this year. Aren't you worried about his off-court antics, though? (laughs) I'm worried that, like, this team is so close, and they have this chemistry about them that allows this to work in the way that it does. Mm -hmm. Grayson Allen is the antithesis to that. Like, I, I just don't know... About it, about how that's going to work at all. It's a good thing he's in Salt Lake City because that might not blow over the same way that it would in bigger markets. But I'm not there with Grayson Allen. I was very low on him in the draft process. He is not a guy who uses his athleticism very well. He does not attempt to play any off-ball defense. He does not attempt to play any off-ball offense. The dude <laughs> is not my guy at all. I, I, if you're hoping that he gives you any kind of shot creation or three-point shooting, then it could be a long year because you need to find it elsewhere. I'm not there with Grayson Allen yet at all. Mort, what about you? No, I'm, I mean, I'm more there than TJ is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out, yes. He was like, yeah, five on my big board. Like, I'm out. That's fair. I mean, here's where I stand on him. I, I think he plays hard. I think he is routinely a hard worker, and I think him getting into the NBA, especially under Quinn Snyder, is going to change some of the, his habits a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think if he can just tunnel his his very passionate play to the more positive side, that is going to change a lot because, like TJ alluded to, like he does weird stuff because he just has these... He gets these brain farts very frequently, and he reacts emotionally. So if he can sort of be guided into a place where, okay, if this happens, you need to punish whoever did that to you in a different way and you need to actually use that to to your advantage instead of actually using it to your disadvantage that's going to be huge um i agree with the fact that he doesn't utilize his athleticism to the point where what he could but i think that's where the nba can come in and really help him because that is just a place where we have some of the greatest athletes in the world yeah and i think he'll be forced on a regular day-to-day you know, training regimen, like to be, to just be aware of how he uses his body. 
like, oh, okay, I could get by this guy easily in college. Well, now I'm up against Jay Crowder in practice. I can't because that guy's a fucking tank. So how do I use my first step? How do I use my athleticism? How do I use my body to actually find this this way of getting around him? I think that is going to improve a lot as the years come by. I think he's going to be very much like J.J. Ray. And so remember how much J.J. just struggled in the first couple of years in the league? Like mm-hmm. A lot of people were like, is he even an NBA player? And now he's like an instrumental part of an NBA roster. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying he's got J.J. Reddick's ceiling because the Reddick's ceiling, as it turned out, was actually yeah, pretty the, the damn high. The shot diversification is not yeah. there yet in terms that of is what true. J.J. can do. Absolutely. It's just like the career arc of having him like initially not be a big-time player, but eventually down the line in a couple of years, he could be a very decent rotational player. I don't think he's ever going to be like a full-time star or anything. Yeah, I yeah, think I he's going to be, but but he could be a very nice rotation player, like maybe the seventh or eighth man who just runs out of like closes out of rotation, which is fine. Like if he can hit shots and he can use his body and move, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. You to talk be about clear. his passion. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be a 35 minute a game guy. I just it, it, that's oh, yeah, yeah. the in, that, like that's the best case scenario. What Mort just laid out is the best case scenario I imagine for him. Like, if he is your yeah. eighth man, that's all you need from him. Right. Right. He was the 20th. Do you think he's for period? Yeah? Do you think he's more passion or do you think he's a showman? Because I swear, I think he oh, just likes to because I don't yeah. think that it's as much that he cares so deeply about the game as much as he cares about people talking about the way he plays the game. Mm. That's a good question. I, I, I think it can. I think that can change depending on both matchups and how you feel. Like I don't think you feel the same thing all the time, and I do think he has Valid. A, an edge and an ego to him <laughs> that on occasion will show itself. Absolutely, but I don't think you get this far without having a great passion for the game, especially, yeah. you know, being that size, you know. I mean, it's one yeah. thing if you're, like, 6'11 and athletic, whereas, like, just take the Eddie Curry example, a guy who really didn't care about basketball becoming the fourth pick just because, hey, I'm big and I'm athletic. I can get into the NBA just by, you know, dunking a basketball. Like, you have to have a certain, yeah, passion for the game if you're going to succeed at this level. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. On occasion he would be a very obnoxious showman and that will present itself on occasion. Here's the great part about that though. If he does that in Utah at a home game, his own crowd will let him know because <laughs> yes, in will. Utah, they're, they are definitely hardcore fundamentalists when it comes to basketball. Mm-hmm. They like oh, their pick and roll fundamentalist? Yeah. Is that a thing? Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. Poor wording. You know what I mean? But yeah, like he'll, he'll get the proper NBA education there. Like he will. Yeah, yeah, he will. I think I think that's one of the better places he could have landed. Like imagine him being drafted by the Lakers and into the LeBron James oh, freak show right now. No, like that LeBron just would that have not allowed that to happen. Right. Could you yeah, imagine I, Ted assuming... Cruz at their practices together? Oh god. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That 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 wouldn't work. That would no, not work. You're right. Yeah. But I think yeah, I th- I definitely think there is some upside to Grayson Allen. It's just I think it's also fair to to like point out that upside may never be realized. Like there's right. definitely a possibility in, in a world where that happens. Yeah. Yeah. 
Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. All right, let's close things out now with the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Yeah, a really interesting team. Um, You know, they were a three-seed last year, but uh, obviously they were also three games away from missing the playoffs. It was just a really tightly bunched Western Conference. The Pelicans then swept them, which, again, you wonder if that should have prompted them to consider making some major moves. Instead, they really just signed a couple of fringe guys. um, or Not fringe guys. Not fringe guys, but just swapped out some bench depth. They lost Pat Connaughton. They lost Ed Davis. They bring in Seth Curry, Nick Stauskas. Uh, so, TJ, since you said you've got a lot of thoughts on them, take the floor. What do you think What do you think the, the Blazers should do this year? Do you think it's time for them to really consider blowing up that Damon-CJ backcourt? Or... Do you think there's enough upside here? You can hope Zach Collins develops. You can hope Seth Curry's really good. He's one of Mort and I. He's our adopted son. So we will have no Seth Curry slander on this podcast. But Oh, I love Seth Curry. Don't worry. Okay, good. good. Uh, but like, what do you, do you think they have the upside that they should keep this together, run the same quarterback, or do you think they really need to start considering making some bigger moves in terms of blowing up their roster? I think that they need to blow up their roster, and I don't think they will. I don't, because Portland mm-hmm. loves this team. They absolutely yeah. adore the guys that they have. I think that Damon and CJ have a very real limit on them. I think last year's defensive numbers was a lot more to do with the scheduling process and the fact that teams just weren't very good against them for random stretches. More so mm-hmm. than that, they grew into this top 15 defense. I don't believe that. A lot of the, everything broke right for them last year. Everything did, and like you said, they were three games away from just still missing the playoffs. I don't think that they would have the best player in most playoff settings in the Western Conference. I think Damian Lillard needs somebody else around him. They need a wing. They need a Jimmy Butler type. Mm-hmm. They don't have the pieces. They just don't have the pieces, if you ask me. Yeah. I, I, and I there's think, no way to fix it. Right. So that's what's tough is – You've got a lot of guys on just such awful contracts. Evan Turner, Myers, Myers Leonard. Leonard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Nurkic, Nurkic's contract is fine. Like, it's, you know, for four years, $48 million, It's really not bad. And to me, that's the one guy where if you don't want to blow up Damon CJ, and, you know, apparently they seem really high on Zach Collins. Like, they do think he could develop into that third piece. So maybe... Nurkic is the guy you flip to open up that starting five spot for Collins. And then also, hopefully, I agree. Like, wing is where they need the most help. Like, New Orleans has perhaps the worst wing rotation in the league. And they couldn't take advantage of that in the playoffs, which is a huge yeah. concern. Like, that, that's how you beat New Orleans, is just abuse them for starting, like, Solomon, mm-hmm. F, and Hill, you know? And they couldn't yeah. do it because Evan Turner was terrible. And Mo Harkless really struggled last year. Like, Aminu played well. But Lillard just struggled so much in that series that they were screwed either way. So it, it, yeah. they're the ones where I'm thinking, you know, you've got, well, I'll just throw this one out there, Andrew Wiggins. 
and it's been brought up, but the money yeah. is hard to make it work. They'd yeah. have to they'd have to move like Myers, Leonard, and Nurkic, and still a little bit of money, and then still create a package to get them. That's right. why. What about so Evan Turner? <laughs> Evan Turner, Myers, Leonard. Does that? But why would you take that? Why would you take that deal if you're Minnesota? What does that do for you in any capacity? Get you out of that horrible deal a little bit earlier, I guess. That means you're conceding on the year. Like you're just giving up on it with Jimmy Butler in Towns without his extension still. Like that. There's there's no way back from this, and that's Mm -hmm. my biggest issue with them is that they're just in this no man's land, hoping that Damian Lillard gets really hot in a playoff setting and wins you a series, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's all you're really gonna get out of this roster. And Zach Collins, what's the what's the big upside with him? What can he turn into? Can he be a shot blocking stretch big? Like can he be a Serge Ibaka? I don't think so. Like, he doesn't have any playmaking. He's not a big guy that can handle the ball. You're not going to give the ball in the high post and tell him to create. He's not just a guy that can go up and dunk everything in sight. I I don't necessarily know what the upside is there. So, for me, my biggest thing is there's a cap. There's a hard, hard, hard cap onto how good this team can be, and everything broke right for them last year. They were a significantly better defensive team. They weren't. They were, They didn't get hurt. Damian Lillard was on fire for half of the year. CJ McCollum grew into a more diverse player, and it still didn't work. And I yeah. just, I don't know where you're going to find the fixes out there. Like, this is going to take some wizardry from that front office to be able to build this team into, somebody, into something that can grow into something better than it currently is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... The Wiggins one is like the extreme outlier example where it's just like if Minnesota is want is just, just so taking, desperate to yeah. get out. Yeah. But like, you know, I'm thinking of a guy like Kent Bazemore is readily available, it seems. Now again yeah, it's and like, I think he would help. Yeah, but again, you're right. It's like why would like why would Atlanta say yes to Evan Turner for Kent Bazemore? They probably would not. Um but I'm thinking like Nick Batum, Nick like Bat- you mentioned. Yeah, Nick Batum yeah. is, uh, you know, because he, I, I think salary cap space just doesn't matter for this team. Like, they're not right. going to have cap space this year or next year, and then Damon and CJ are signed for one more year after that, and you're, like, you have four players under contract in 2020, and you have, like, a projected $36 million in space, just in terms of, like, not counting any non-guaranteed stuff. So they're yeah. not going to have, they're not going to be able to spend their way out of this. They tried that in 2016. It failed. So I think you can look toward kind of what Houston did with Ryan Anderson or what OKC did with Carmelo. You try to you, you take bad money back for these guys and maybe you send a f- prospect out or get a prospect back or send a draft pick out, get a draft pick back. Try to get two swings instead of one. But like a Kent Bazemore or an Evan Fournier. I mean, maybe Orlando is just like, Screw it, we can't have Aaron Gordon playing the three. Maybe they try to offload him. Um, yeah. That would I mean, be a I, very magic thing to do. <laughs> it yeah, would it be, would. right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, I, like, there are enough guys out there that I think you can find a deal potentially. And so, again, that goes back to my whole, like, do you blow Damon CJ up? I, I think there is a limited ceiling for that combination. But I think you wait. I don't think you sell CJ McCollum for. You know, like, he is a quarter. You don't trade him for two dimes and a nickel. Like, you try to yeah, get... you wait till the draft. Yeah, what you, try to get, yeah. you try to get a star player. Like, you want, you know, you want a star for a star, basically. Like, you, you want a Jimmy Butler. And maybe that blows up, and then you're 
you know, you're forced to rebuild or whatever. But, like, you're not... Portland's... Unless you hit on a mid-first-round pick, like, unless you get a Giannis or a Kawhi in the draft, they're going to otherwise be banking on internal improvement, which is not going to work because every other team in the West yep. got significantly better this year. Yep, even the Suns got got significantly better from where they were at. Like, everybody got better in the West. Mm. The thing that's weird for me about Portland is that all the guys that they could send out in trades, they're not expiring. They don't have one year left. They don't have a non-guaranteed year. They're three right. years, four years, two years. You're not just taking on the money for that year. You're stuck with it. Yeah. And that's a very difficult thing for any other team to stomach, especially considering the cap landscape of where things are right now. That could change, obviously. There should be another nine, you know, eight million or whatever it is in the cap next year. But you just don't know, and you and teams now see how valuable keeping your open cap space is. And I don't know a team that would be willing to trade for Myers Leonard or an Evan Turner or a Yusef Nurkic for that type of money, considering that you're stuck with it if it doesn't work. Mm. Which is why I'm so low on them. Like, I just yeah. genuinely am. If they have any regression, they're just not a playoff team. I don't have them as a playoff team next year. I have them and Minnesota falling out. Yeah, I, I don't have them as a playoff team either. But um, what, do you have any thoughts on where Portland goes? I just like that they finally took a gamble on Cameron Oliver, who I've been surprised mm. did not get an <laughs> NBA job. Yes. Like, that guy from, from Nevada, like, he was good. I, I'm, he just, was very good. I'm just – he is. I mean – he could kind of be one of those, you know, Quinn Cook type players who comes into the league and just like makes it rain, and people are like, "Oh, oh, that actually makes sense." Like Brian and I had an episode a couple of months back where we ended up talking about like the low value guys, like the people in the G League and and stuff like that, like guys who come in from from you know non NBA programs and just actually does well enough and should replace some of the older, more known names who come in and are signed on name only instead of ability. And I think Portland would actually be one of those teams that should look more into that, maybe just scour the G League for a wing. Like, at one point, yeah. I mean, it could it get any worse from a wing perspective? I mean, not really. And, like, I actually like their offseason because I like Gary Trent Jr. I love mm. Seth Curry. I love those guys. The thing is... Like, Gary Tread, there's no way he's big enough to play small forward defensively. Like, no. he's a pure shooting guard. And yes. this the same with Seth Curry. So, they yeah, they bolstered their depth for, like, the guard spot specifically. That did not change anything for their wing positions, which is a problem. So, yeah, they need to come in and, and find a way, maybe just facilitate. Like, a, consol a consolidation trade would be good for them if that could, you know, if they could fiddle their way to it, I'm still high on the whole James Johnson idea. If that proved, you know, feasible. Oh, I like that. I do yeah. like that. I would love him there. Like he's because he's got three years left. So maybe Miami would be like, oh yeah, we gave four year deals to basically everyone on the roster <laughs> and their grandmas. Maybe we should try to actually save money on one of these deals and then trade James Johnson for, I don't know, Evan Turner and a protected pick or something. I don't know. Something, like, that made sense. Like, I'm still in love with that idea. But, Brian, like, you mentioned Nick Batum as well. Mm -hmm. Like, if they went that route where they took on more money because the cap doesn't matter for him, right. I, I would go into that because at least it would be proactive. Like, they wouldn't just blow it up and say, hey, fuck it, we're tanking. I would actually love that approach by him. Like, going, you know what, let's be proactive for a change because we have Dame, we have CJ. Let's see if we can at least move the needle somewhat. And, hell... Look, if it doesn't work, like, yeah, you can blow it up. Mm -hmm. Like, 
it's you can always blow it up. That's kind of the luxury of this team. It's just that at any given point they can blow it up whenever they want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they should not have traded Alan Crab. That's what really hurt them. They need him. Like he he would have provided the spacing, the switchability, the ability to play yeah. the three spot and attack closeouts, and that would that could be a guy if Brooklyn struggles a little bit and isn't the and isn't in the playoff picture that they could reacquire. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah. Oh yeah, we we talked about that at length on this podcast because it was a lot of money for Alan Crabb when they matched, mm-hmm. and then they you know flipped him a year later. Right. But I was yeah. like, they should just have stuck with the with the Crabb yeah. signing and just not signed Evan Turner. Like that would yeah, have been exactly huge. Yeah. yeah. Like just replace Alan Crabb or Evan Turner with Alan Crabb right now, and that team is like a lot better. Right. And I'm or pretty I'm, sure it's less money for Crabb, right? It's a little slightly more. It's slightly more. Crabs um, yeah. for seventy five, and mm-hmm. Evan Turner signed for 70. seventy. Yeah, yeah. But I'm wondering about a guy. You know, another guy I'm thinking for in terms of wings. You know, you got to think of like these guys who are falling out of favor. Norman Powell in Toronto, like, didn't yeah. play that much last year. He could be. He's good. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know what. Again, it comes down to like what Toronto would want. Maybe they want. Do they want a use of Nurkic? Probably not. Do they want to have in Turner? No. Do they want like Mo Harkless? Maybe. I don't know. But Norman Powell, he's more like a two though. He's like six four. I think they need someone with a little bit. But more he's size. long too. He, he is. No, he absolutely absolutely love and long, and he can move and he can shoot. Like he he would definitely solve a lot of it. But I would like a guy who, much like Alfredo Gamino, can switch between both forward spots because it's not just the three spot where they are missing something. Like they could use an upgrade at the four. And I'm saying this with confidence in both Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan. I kind of think both of them are more than people making them out to be, but I don't think they're difference makers. I don't think they're going to be stars. So I would like to see them get a little bit more depth at those both spots. So I, I, they should just be open-minded to basically every phone call coming in. Yeah. Yes. They should ju- That's the right like, way to if, phrase it. Right. Yeah. If we hear any report this season about, you know, the Portland just saying, well, we're not taking calls, then, yeah, flame away. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I do love Penny, by the way, though. Penny Simons over here. I love that kid. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Andrew, yeah, yeah Andrew Simons. Absolutely. We haven't even oh, talked yeah. about him yet. Sorry. Yeah. I still call him Penny. No, Whenever that's... I no, I, yeah. I still call him Penny. I, I, I love the drafting, too, because I thought it was a ballsy move. Because where they yeah. are, like they did, they didn't have a whole lot of data on him, but they had him in for two workouts. I remember this, and they were just like, "Oh, they they were they fell in love with him in the first workout, and then they had to confirm it in the second one." It was like, mm-hmm. "Yep, it's the same thing." The thing with him though, it's just it's the same thing with Seth Curry. Like he plays the one and two. Like they yeah. have so much depth at those spots where you just go, "Did you just blow blow your whole wad on the?" the guard spots and then leave nothing for like the really necessary positions like yeah isn't he like 6-3 at 18 though like he still has some room to grow yeah like potentially he could be a legit wing he could be Absolutely. a 6-6 guy but in time right. for sure I think yeah and he, yeah long wingspan all that and Gary Trent like even though he's a pure you know a pure two guard he's like 6-6 but I think I don't think his yeah, his wingspan was that seven feet? No, a little less. I remember right? it being like six nine, six ten. Like it was shorter. Like that was one of his. Oh, big okay, it was shorter. Yeah. yeah, and he's got a little bit of tunnel vision too. Like he 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 gets he the ball and shooters and just kind of does what he does and doesn't see anything else outside of his vision. Right, and he doesn't move very well defensively, no, he doesn't. which is why I don't want to move him up a slot. Whereas Anthony Simons, like again, I haven't watched him play games because he didn't play college last year. So we'll see if Simons moves tremendously 
and if he grows and be can become that 2-3 type of guy, that could change their entire outlook. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. I just like that Schroeder's is a verb now. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Started on the right foot with that one. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a good place to wrap up, guys. So, uh, TJ, thank you again for coming on. Remind our listeners one more time where they can find your work, where they can find you on Twitter, all that good stuff. Yeah, milehighsports.com. Pretty much everything Nuggets goes through me over there. And then you can follow me at, on Twitter at TJ McBride NBA. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you again for joining us. It was a lot of fun. Of course. Uh, Please, in the meantime, give us a follow as well on Twitter uh, at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio. We're also on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at Almighty Casts. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined by Morton Jensen and TJ McBride. Have a good one, guys. You too, Brian. I'm going to go back to playing Spider Man right now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm literally stopping this recording just to do that right now. (laughs) Yeah, Enjoy, enjoy. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.